93.9 The Eagle, broadcasting live from the Zimmer Radio Group World Headquarters. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry. ready for interviews with movers and shakers from our community as we dive in for a deeper look inside Columbia. Now, here's your host, Fred Perry. And welcome to the CEO Roundtable Show. Fred Perry, glad that you have joined us this weekend. We've got a great show planned for you. As you start to think about the uh, upcoming elections, I've invited Mike Murphy, who is the publisher of Como Buzz, uh, to join us here in the studios uh, this weekend. Mike, thanks for being here. Good morning. Thanks for having uh, me. The last time we were on, uh, there wasn't, uh, we couldn't get to most of the things we want to talk about, so we did two weeks in a row. Uh, so it's, it's good to have you back. Uh, not too long after that, but I, um, uh, I really have appreciated uh, much of the journalism that you have been producing uh, in the last few weeks, uh, especially with your insight about the elections. And, of course, there's lots of other news that we'll talk about as well. But um, we want to talk about some of the local races, and we're going to talk um, – Later in the program about the Citizens uh, Police Review Board, which has been an absolute circus. Uh, Matt Pitzer uh, deciding that he is not going to seek re-election in the Fifth Ward. And uh, the firefighters don't like who the city manager is probably going to pick as the next fire chief. And we'll talk about that as well as the proposed homeless shelter that's on uh, coming up on um Business Loop 70 uh, that I've been taking my fair share of hits over. But anyway, I maybe they're well-deserved. But uh, let's talk about this upcoming election. Brianna Lennon, Boone County clerk, is predicting a 65% turnout, which to me seems high. Do you have perspective on that? Seems real high to me. I hope she's right. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, because in the last um, election, I think we had, in a municipal election, we had or actually in the August primary, we had 23% turnout. So how we go from 23% to 65% uh, is surprising to me. Uh, The things that are are new would be this uh, no excuse absentee voting. So Mm -hmm. for two full weeks in advance of election day, you can just walk in and vote with just as if it were election day. Mm -hmm. That's got to have something to do with it. And she's also has these uh, mobile voting sites where she's actually taking the polls to business places like like the hospital and uh, uh, places where uh, there, there's a lot of people. So perhaps it's efforts like that that lead her to think that there's going to be that much more turnout, and, yeah. and I hope she's right. Do you have an opinion uh, uh, on which party benefits most from high voter turnout? Uh, is it the Republicans? Is it the Democrats? Uh, do you do you have a thought on that? Generally, it's the Republicans, in my opinion, because it seems like the Democrats in Boone County always turn out. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing, or I think the <laughs> it conven- sure feels like it. I yeah, guess <laughs> I think the conventional wisdom would be that uh, turnout would benefit the Republicans, and I know the Republican candidates spend a lot of time working on turnout. Mm-hmm. It's a major thrust of what they talk to everybody about. Yeah, out of all the races that uh, we have coming up locally um uh, all, all the races that we have uh coming up in boone county uh what's the one that's the most interesting to you boone county presiding commission okay tell me why well uh, both candidates are um i think fascinating and um there's 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 a lot at stake in several different ways so for the county 
uh, and for the uh, citizens of the county, uh, there's a leadership at the very top of the county commission. After 10 years, 11 years, I guess, will be of Dan Atwell. Uh, all of a sudden now we're going to have somebody brand new at the exact same time after 32 years of June Pitchford in the mm-hmm. auditor's office. Yeah, Those are arguably, I guess, but are there any two more important positions in all of county government than those two? I wouldn't think so. Well, it depends on which elected official you ask. Yeah, <laughs> So, but they're turning over, and uh, yeah. that, that's a lot of turnover. Uh, so um, that's going to bring a whole new style and a, and a whole new set of uh, 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 interesting dynamics to the county building. Mm-hmm. And then number two, the candidates themselves. Uh, Kip Kendrick is young. He's won four elections to the state house. He's, uh, you know, he he has a very high ceiling as a. Uh, he's sort of this Democrat golden boy who, you know, gets talked about could be governor someday. A setback here, a loss here, would totally change his trajectory. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. that's that's feels like some drama and some interest. Uh, on the same hand, if he were to get elected and spent, he's promising to quell rumors that he's going to, you know, jump to another opportunity too soon. He's promising two terms, perhaps three. Um, If he does do two terms of very successful work as a Boone County presiding commissioner and he networks statewide, uh, he would be, I would think, uh, he wouldn't even be 50 yet in eight years and positioned for whatever state office he would choose to pursue. I think there's a lot of, uh, I think the people that are talking about him, you know, leaving office to run for governor are are probably being a little overly enthusiastic because I don't think you have to be who wants to a, a dem running for governor right now it doesn't make a lot of sense mm-hmm. so I think it makes a ton of sense for Kip if he can I think he's put a ton of energy and effort and everything he's got and big money into this election uh, and I think it would put him in a, in a in a really good in a really good spot on the flip side you have a very successful uh, female uh, business person Connie Leopard, who would be a uh, absolutely excellent person in that job. I think her campaign has been uh, the message that she has, what she would like to do. Uh, I think she's very convincing. Uh, I would have a certain amount of confidence that what she says she's going to do is exactly what she plans to do. It, by all appearances, to me, she'd be an absolutely outstanding presiding commissioner. So, you know, that's quite a that's mm-hmm. quite a setup and, and, and then it looks like it probably will be a very close race. The the thing that sort of intrigues me about that race, there's there's two things. One uh is the money, uh which is very interesting to me. Uh the the other item is the the issues and maybe the issues that are not being talked about that I as a former county commissioner I can tell you are very important to county government. But the money thing is interesting because, you know, the Democrats are always very critical about outside money and the dark money and the amount of money that has come into Kip Kendrick's campaign uh, because of his position in in the Senate uh, as a chief of staff for the for the Senate minority leader. Um, it's interesting to me that. Um, uh, dark money is okay. Now I'm calling it dark money, but, uh, it's, it's money that's coming in primarily from labor unions, uh, and outside interests that really have no skin in the game in terms of Boone County is concerned. Um, and then the other thing that's interesting to me is, is, and, and I think that Kip has raised, is it 10 times the amount of money that Connie Leopard has? Um, uh, no, no, no. So Kip, 
the, what's confusing about Kip is Kip came into the campaign with yes. about two hundred grand. Right. Right. Okay. So, so it's what he spent, I yeah, guess, so, is what I'm. So he started out with, uh, uh, you know, two hundred two hundred grand to zero. Yeah. And he's raised, I think, somewhere in the seventies uh, or eighties, and she's raised in the fifties or sixties. Yeah. But uh, so he spent um, four times as much. Four times. Okay. He spent about eighty grand at at the last reporting, which would have been the end of September. Through the end of September, he had spent in the eighty thousands of dollars on the campaign, and she had spent in the twenty thousand. Okay, so he's been able to use that money, that big treasure chest, war chest, uh, to hire uh, door-to-door canvassers, paying people to go door-to-door on his behalf. Yeah. So where Kip really has set himself apart, and so I'm like a, a critic of local campaigns, generally how poorly done they are. Yeah, you know, they, yeah. they just are. Candidates, Can't say that about Kips. Candidates don't realize what it takes to get elected, and, yeah. and yeah, everything about Kips, largely because he has the financing. But so number one, he put together a field team of about 15 people, and they're knocking on somewhere up to between 40 and 50 thousand doors in the wow. county. Mm-hmm. And then also his his media has been just sterling. It's really beautifully done. It's it's professionally. I see on his digital media, like on, on social media, he, it looks really, really, really professional. And then number two, in you know, he's, his, his experience in this, uh, Connie wanted to hit him as a, a professional politician who might jump to another job. And also his lack of business experience, really, he's never really done much other than be a, a, a Jeff City politician. Mm-hmm. And he came he came right back in his media, uh, you know, touting his time on the as a ranking minority member on the budget committee. And yeah. he talked a lot about his his budgeting prowess. And then he uh, talked about he, he promised eight years mm-hmm. and how and, and how much Boone County means to him. And uh, he I, I feel like uh, I'm not sure if he neutralized those issues or not. I'm not sure how much they resonate with voters, but you can see the work in his advertising being really well done. Yeah, on the national level, and I want to talk about the issues that are being talked about here in Boone County, but, you know, on a national level, there's a hope, you know, the last few days there's been a lot of media coverage about how President Biden wasted, you know, the last two weeks talking about abortion. And, uh, but as it turns out, you know, by whatever polling you can rely on, is abortion is not what people are interested in right now. They're interested in the economy, and they're interested in crime. And, and I think in Boone County... Really, among the, the the top issues that we ought to be talking about is crime and the fact that we don't have the number of sheriff's deputies on the uh, streets that we do. The fact that we have we have such a crowded jail that we're letting repeat offenders go out, uh, you know, uh, without having to post bail, without having to to, uh, you know, basically uh serve their due time uh and they're they're you know they're really a nuisance for local law enforcement uh, we're spending our time working on people that really probably ought to be behind bars um and you know this was terrible situation that we had uh with the man who threw the woman over the bridge a couple of weeks ago you know he is was certainly uh had a criminal record and probably should have been behind bars but uh not for me to decide but and I think the other issue besides crime is probably fiscal transparency. You know, just uh, what are we going to do with that ARPA money? Uh, what do we um, how is the county spending the money? Why is why are there millions and millions and tens of millions of dollars in reserve funds uh, in in county government? But yet uh, we can't seem to to find the money to take care of of some of the most pressing needs that, that there are in the county. 
I think on your your first question, both candidates are kind of neutral or neutralizing each other. They're both claiming uh, a kind of a back to blue support law enforcement. Connie is showing a real concern over staffing issues. Uh, although uh, although I see Kip Scott Media out there this week saying the same thing, and and I think the heart of your issue there might be uh, uh, more for a judicial campaign yeah. if there ever would yeah. be one. That Absolutely. really, but uh, but you got to have a jail, and right now the sheriff's in charge of the jail. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he, he, you know, a sheriff, a sheriff's in charge of his own domain for yeah. sure. Yeah. So now. On this, uh, trans- without without controls yeah. of the purse strings, that's the that's the yeah. other complicated factor. Yeah, but you know they, those guys, they get. I've never been in a county where the sheriff wasn't one of the most. He, he tends to get what he wants. Yeah, yeah. What, whether right or wrong. Yeah, uh, on transparency is is I think uh, Connie's trying to play to his strength there. So now my take on her is she really is. Uh, for one thing, she goes to meetings every uh, to all the commissioners meetings mm-hmm. her and i are usually the only two people in the audience sitting there. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty sad commentary yeah, isn't it and it's not an exaggeration yeah. i i would say almost uh virtually always other than staff that occasionally shows up the only members of the public there. have you seen kip kendrick at a meeting no hmm. so um and she has been very vocal about the lack of engagement with the public and, and the lack of transparency and what she would do about it. It's been my um, experience that almost every candidate is all about transparency until the day after the election, and that starts to fade away fast, and, mm-hmm. and transparency goes away fast. And there, there's nothing transparent about county government. There's not really much transparent about city government either, even though every candidate talks about it coming in. I really think she would attack that and wants to, and believes that it is the right thing to do for the county. And well, I heard her on on, uh, on this show uh, last week, uh, and I expect it to come up again. I hope, uh, or I would ex- assume, yet this campaign goes by, that uh, you know Kip's record on transparency in the legislature is uh, a little shaky. You know that. I, I I don't know how much judgment I pass on this. You, people need to decide for themselves: Is this just government doing business as it usually does business, or is it really should be more transparent? But you know, he knew he was going to resign, and he stood for election and resigned shortly thereafter, kind of uh, greasing the skids for David Tyson Smith to get in. And it was all a kind of a setup, uh, players in the, the elite, uh, people in the local Dems running things mm-hmm. made that all happen. And and then it did, and it's just done. Yeah, and you know that can rub some people the wrong way. And I think Connie, well, as you know, on, on the show last week, she's mentioned it as less than a stellar record, or uh, uh, it'd be a little uh, perhaps hypocritical for him to talk too much about transparency after with yeah. his background. Now, based on what you just said, and I, I think it's it's worth addressing. When when I talk to people around town about Como Buzz, people always say, "Well, what's that guy like? You know, is he?" Um, you know, does he have an agenda? And, and I, I always find myself saying, no, if he's got an agenda, I haven't been able to figure it out yet. And, and so I appreciate your, uh, your neutrality, but you know, what you just stated about, uh, the less than transparent and you were the, you were the one that sort of dug this out, uh, less than transparent, uh, you know, uh, behavior by Kip Kendrick on his decision. Uh, whether to announce that he wasn't going to stay in the job if he were reelected. Um, that, that's, that's, was reporting that you dug out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I try to do a, a good, uh, a profile, uh, and, and let people know, uh, where these people are coming from. And I really do it without a ton of judgment. I'm more interested in 
letting people know the process, letting them know what's happening, and then letting yeah, people make it. That's their the voice money. of Mike Murphy, the publisher of Como Buzz. Back after this on the CEO Roundtable on 93.9 The Eagle. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry on Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle. And welcome back to the CEO Roundtable show. Fred Perry, your host this weekend, uh, visiting uh, with someone who I have a lot of respect for, Mike Murphy. He's the publisher of ComoBuzz.com. And I don't mean for this to be a shameless plug, but uh, I people need to subscribe to ComoBuzz.com. And, and this is our way of underwriting local journalism. And when, we, when you hear about the stories we're getting ready to talk about uh, in the second and third segments of the show, you're going to say, you know what, why have I not read about that in any other newspaper or media outlet? And uh, that's because, uh, uh, really, Mike is spending a lot of time doing a lot of writing, doing a lot of investigative reporting and, and coming up with stories that nobody else is talking about in this town. And, and uh, if you're listening to the Eagle, you are probably a concerned citizen. You you care about what's happening in this community. And so I really want to encourage you to uh, look at the subscription options uh, for Coma Buzz. Uh, Mike, what, tell me if people want to subscribe for how, how do you have your subscription set up? It's, uh, you can jump on comobuzz.com and you're going to get, depends how often you come. I can't tell you exactly. It's an algorithm, but you're going to get a good look around 10, mm-hmm. 12, 15 story views. And sooner or later, uh, a payroll, uh, a paywall is going to drop down on you. That's when you can subscribe or you can go right up to the top and subscribe right away. Uh, there's a little drop down box that also asks you to subscribe, asks you to support us. But basically get, take a look around. And, and then the other thing is, is, you know, you can pay a hundred bucks a year. Or you can pay ten bucks a month, and that mm-hmm. ten bucks a month, I mean, you can cancel at any time. Yeah, you know, a, a that's ma- a cup of coffee these days. Well, a magazine down at the grocery <laughs> store costs ten bucks. You know, so yeah, yeah. You're not trashing magazines, are you? <laughs> no, I, I, I'd like to. Uh, I, I, I'd like to get some people. Uh, I, I really want to. I've left the paywall very uh, wide open yeah. so that people can see what I'm doing. I, yeah. I really like more people to be seeing what I'm yeah. doing. Yeah, uh, they need to. No, no, no doubt about it. Um, well, we've talked quite a bit about the um, the presiding commissioner's race, and and I I want to get to some of these important issues in the community. So I want to I'm going to use this segment to kind of run through the other races and just see if there's anything that's that's interesting uh, uh, on your mind. But the county treasurer race, uh, Dustin Stanton, egg farmer versus Gina Riedel, who is currently the HR director for the county. Uh, anything interesting there? Nope. I think if a Republican is going to win, so I I think of all these races as they start out as the Republican is the underdog. It's just always mm-hmm. well well there's not an there's not an elected, you know, uh, county. Yeah. Nobody's been elected now. Oh, yeah. Dustin's been uh, appointed, but nobody, right. there's not a Republican that's been elected. I think uh, Connie has a good chance to change that. Mm-hmm. And I think the an equally good chance would be uh, Dustin Stanton. He's mm-hmm. very well known. I think his uh, appeal and his, um, let's call it his network based on the fact that he's the president of the Columbia Farmers Market, yeah. um, I, I'm sure he's going to have some Democrats vote for him. So I think he would have a pretty good chance to win. And there would be, I really would, don't think we're going to be hurt by either one of those candidates winning. Right. But I think it'll be a, a, a curious and, and to see uh, what, he, what he can do. Yeah. County Auditor is interesting to me. Jason Gibson, uh, who has worked in the Auditor's Office, I think, for... At least 10 years is up against a gentleman by the name of Kyle Ryman, uh, who, uh, 
was a former employee of the state, former employee of the city, uh, currently involved in litigation against John Glasscock, former city manager. I, I don't know if that's been wrapped up or not, but what your thoughts on that race? I'm surprised that there wasn't more competition for that job. Uh, that, that's a, that's a position that pays a hundred grand a year. All those department heads make a little bit over a hundred grand a year. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and there was no, no primary, no, not much competition. I don't hold, uh, so I think, uh, Jason Gibson is probably a fine candidate. I don't know if he really has the experience that one, uh, might really, really want for that job, but he's, he's the one from the inside the office and mm-hmm. he's all, but he's also the Republican candidate. Yeah. I'm probably not as concerned about Kyle as, as others might be. I've, uh, uh, talked with him quite a bit. Uh, I'm pretty familiar with what happened there. I think that is scary to voters. They don't like that kind of controversy. I think Kyle would like it to be characterized as his just he thinks it's him standing up for right. Yeah. I tend to take uh, him at his word there and uh, don't hold that against him. I also yeah. think his upside as a he's a pretty talented. You can tell from his jobs and and, and what he's done. He's a pretty talented. Uh, a person at what he does and he could probably do the county a lot of good so where that goes uh you know we'll see i I think again it probably will be close just for the reasons that we're talking about yeah and and it could be another republican uh win yeah asking questions is not a bad thing as a survivor of county government i i think there probably needs to be more people in there asking questions and so uh i'm i'm hoping that we can get that from uh, getting some newcomers you know um in office here uh county recorder of deeds that's a very quiet race um i mispronounced miss jones first name is it can you tell me what is it shaman i think it's shaman shaman okay yeah, I I, my apologies to uh shaman uh, shaman 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 yeah uh, uh my but uh she's running against a guy named bob nolte yeah bob's a former administrator uh in the athletic department in the compliance department at mu i think uh so he had a he had primary he had a tough primary race there he's raised up about 35 grand she hasn't spent any money i think he's built some name recognition if there's uh i, I think she's got a tough road to hoe there mm-hmm. I, I would think yeah well one, one of the things i appreciate about coma buzz is that you list out uh like newspapers used to do you list out who has given the candidates five hundred dollars or more that that's a very interesting very telling list and, and if you're cynical like me uh that's a great way to decide who you're voting for is who's given the money you it, know it's very interesting i think it's i pick five hundred dollars i i could run you know you could write the whole list but if people want to know that bad they could go look themselves to yeah. me it's like i think somebody's going to remember pretty much people remember i think a candidate remembers who gave them money at all but they're yeah. certainly going to remember who gave them 500 bucks yeah and i think if there's going to be any accusation that or any kind of like uh, thought process that they're being influenced, it's going to take at least five hundred bucks. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so it's a, I think it's pretty interesting to look over who gives who what. Yeah. State rep races. Uh, John Martin versus Adrian Plank seems to be perhaps the most animated, and cl- because it's close, and um, I think that going in, it was uh, just based on voter numbers when they redistricted that. Uh, it was going to be very close with maybe a point or two favoring the Democrats. Uh, I think, and there's been, I have uh, I've heard tell of some polling uh, in, from the state Democrats in that race, and I think it's, uh, I think it's regarded as being very, very close. Mm. And I think, you know, uh, 
the Dems see it as a, a, a seat they can flip. Republicans, uh, you know, really want to hold it. I think you're going to see a lot of uh, money put into that next week. Probably won't be very friendly at all. Mm-hmm. And I think that one's going to come down to the wire. Yeah. Um, I hate to see that because John Martin is an upstanding guy. I mean, a uh, good person. Uh, and, you know, the interesting thing, like Dustin Stanton, uh, Democrats have septic systems, too. They probably clog up a lot faster than Republicans, but uh, they do have septic systems as well. Yeah, I think uh, I think I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, John win that race. He's performed really well in the forums. He's very well spoken. But boy, uh, the district is not in his favor. I mean, just in terms of the realignment. Yeah, they they it's a liberal liberal district. Well, they brought in the fourth ward of Columbia yeah. now, but he's still got uh, Boone County. He's still got Northern uh, Boone County and. Uh, uh, Western Boone County. Yeah, he only doing big up there. Yeah, yeah. I, I think what I I put quite a bit of effort into that race and into fifty between uh, Jim Musgrave and Doug Mann. And as the forums went on, I've, I've become a little bit disappointed. And even in my own work, really, they're both. It's very, very, very partisan. They 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 are they're lined up. Every single view they have is pretty much the boilerplate partisan view. And you're talking 50th or both? Both. Uh, both. both. Okay. Both. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I think they're going to go uh, uh, right down the party lines and just be very, very partisan. I, I'll tell you what I use for an example of that. I'm really interested in the, the 47th because I think it's really close. I think the uh, the Democrats feel a lot more confident in the 50th that Doug Mann, who's a very good candidate, will probably beat uh, Jim Musgraves, the Republican, just based on the uh, n- the numbers in the uh, in the district, which is mostly it's all the city of Columbia, all except for a little bit, the city of Columbia, southern and eastern. So from Old Hawthorne all the way around to the south. An interesting thing to that race about how things have gone 100 percent partisan, in my view, and getting up there. And even I think of my dad and my grandpa and the people who, you know, taught me about voting and how maybe we looked at things in the beginning, what you got there. So so take Doug Mann, the Democrat. He's a uh, a former school teacher, a young guy, came here. He's from New York through Chicago, Hmm. uh, came here to law school, two years in law school. He's out of law school, two years, working with a local law firm. Very well-spoken, very thoughtful, very empathetic. I think he's going to uh, accomplish a lot in his life, but he hasn't yet. Mm -hmm. And he's running against uh, a native Missourian who... uh, who, uh, uh, came to MU, got his undergrad degrees, got two advanced degrees from MU, spent 32 years in our service, in the service of our country, flying combat missions over in, in, in Iraq, wow. raised a family, mm. uh, stayed married, uh, moved here, had his final job on the MU faculty, uh, has retired here, he's in his mid-50s, and uh, wants to take his uh, leadership and his experience to uh, Jeff City on our behalf, and who is Columbia going to send? They're going to send the other guy. Yeah, yeah. And that's it's really interesting because he hasn't. Uh, I mean, what's kind of sad about politics is that Jim Musgraves has not raised enough money to tell people his story. Right. I mean, we most people don't know that he's a mm-hmm. dec- decorated military veteran from from Iraq. You know, and and typically. You know, that sort of uh, is a very important thing when we're choosing candidates. And, uh, you know, Doug Mann has raised a lot of money in the last uh, the last couple months. He has one of the things that uh, this is a a Boone County problem for sure for the Republicans, I think, is if you get um, embraced by the local uh, Boone County Democrats, they work hard for you. 
yep. they're organized and they have a playbook and they, and they show you they, they they take you to the money they take you to the events and they and they help you win no such thing exists uh, in much form on the Republican side. Yeah, none at all. So none at all. The candidates are always reinventing the wheel, or they're left to flounder, which yeah. is kind of how I see that Jim yeah. Musgrave. If you file as a Republican in Boone County, you are definitely left to be out there on your own. And I, I think that the current candidates would tell you, tell you that anybody who's run in the past would tell you that there is no organized party to get behind you and do anything from putting up signs to knocking on doors. And so uh, that's um, that's a shame. You know, it really is. Um, the uh the the other district uh, state rep race is uh i think 44th and that's uh, Shree Tolson Rice versus yeah. David Rathel. uh if nothing else that is uh, a a fun one to watch yeah i chose not to cover it it's interesting but um i don't i i would expect she would probably win 2 to 1 just based on the uh the makeup of her district, mm-hmm. even even with redistricting, she got most of Sarah Walsh's district from. She's so she has uh, from from Hallsville to Ashland, uh, north and south, and all of eastern Boone County. And I don't see how you know Dave Dave Rathel's doing a good doing his duty, and he's out there banging away, and he's done an honorable job. I just can't imagine. Uh, I don't think Cherie's spending too much time concerning herself with that. Uh, I read something in the in the local media that, that uh, Cherie recommended that maybe people at the NAACP uh, forum should maybe go out and buy guns. That was in Buzz. That was yeah. That, that was uh, that was me. Uh, okay, I, I was sitting there, one of the few people in the audience. Uh, the forum was strange and difficult, and, and uh, Musgraves didn't even show up, and. Uh, uh, none of the uh, most of the Republicans didn't 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 show up. Oh, it's a pretty toxic environment. It, it, it is, yeah, it, especially it, two Republicans. That that group yeah. is not friendly no. at all, and they're they're not right. welcoming. Uh, you go, and no matter what you do for that community, uh, they snub you. So Cherie showed up, which was like to to her. Well, she yeah. deserves a medal for well, that. And then what happened is it was the day after the St. Louis shooting. Mm-hmm. Things were pretty still pretty raw and emotional, and the five all five them. State rep candidates were there, and they all gave, stood up in response to a question about their opinions on on uh, uh, gun control, and gave fairly impassioned speeches about how uh, you know we need to uh, take away people's guns. Well, have much more restrictive uh, <laughs> firearm purchase yeah. laws in in Missouri. And she was the last one to speak, and she got up and said, well, "I think y'all, I think y'all just need to go get trained and buy a gun to protect yourself." <laughs> and uh, and that was from the heart, I guarantee it, it, you. It totally was, but boy, it, boy, it didn't go over too good, as you can imagine. <laughs> good. Well, she's a brave woman. I I, I appreciate that uh, very much. When we come back from this break, uh, we're going to dive into some issues that I think are of great importance to our community, and that includes the uh, the latest on the Citizens uh, Police Review Board Circus. Uh, the Matt Pitzer's decision not to run for Fifth Ward, the, the proposed homeless shelter, which just continues to baffle me, uh, and uh, why the firefighters don't like the city manager's choice for our new fire chief. All of that and more coming up on the CEO Roundtable at 93.9 The Eagle. Who's that whispering in the trees? It's two cities and they're only pipes and chains and swinging hands. Who's your daddy? Yes, I am. Back I came to play. Now you can't run fast enough. You best stay away when the pushers come to shove. 
This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry on Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle. And welcome back to the CEO Roundtable show. Fred Perry, your host this weekend, visiting uh, with Mike Murphy, the publisher of ComoBuzz.com. That's C-O-M-O-B-U-Z. Dot com, Just one Z, folks. Uh, check it out. I think you'll find it very interesting. Um, some of the issues I want to dive into, we have a limited amount of time here, but uh, the Citizens Police Review Board, I, I made the mistake. Well, maybe it wasn't the mistake, mistake but I, I made the mistake of watching a Citizens Police Review meeting one, one day, not too long ago. And uh, it blew my mind at how toxic it was, how unprofessional it was, and just what a zoo it was. And I have a lot of respect for Rhonda Carlson. She's done a lot for our community, and she has why on her she she agreed to be the chair of that Citizens Police Review Board is beyond me. But but I mean, uh, really, as tough as she is, she couldn't control what was happening uh, on that task force, uh, on the review board. Um, so do you have much confidence that the changes they've made, the, the new members they've appointed, is going to change anything? Well, it's more, than, it's more than just the new members. So they haven't resumed meetings. They've appointed members in case they get a complaint. Oh. So they haven't, so they'd have a quorum. So they're still suspended. Yeah, the, the meetings are suspended. So okay. they will only gather if... Um, if they need to because of a complaint. And they've only had like one complaint in the last year. I'm going to say maybe six in the last two years, which is part of part of the perceived problem is uh, uh, people don't bother to or don't go through the hassle of taking their appeals uh, to the board. So I think that before that board resumes again, city council is going to have to give it some direction. And that's really what this is, uh, what, what's, what started all this was in the summer of, uh, 2021, the, the state legislature passed and, and, uh, the governor signed a, uh, it was a Senate bill. I think it's 16 or 26. I can't remember, but it's been called the police officers bill of rights, which was a, suite of protections for police officers um, against uh, citizen complaints and defunding the police things and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. One of the uh, consequences was it 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 sort of um, neutralized or it, it took uh, the usefulness out of Columbia's uh, Citizens Oversight Panel, which didn't have a lot of real uh, bite to it anyway. Mm-hmm. It really serves as an advisory board to the police chief. Uh, they get appeals uh, if, if you have a complaint against the police here, you go through uh, the Internal Affairs Division of the police. They make a recommendation to the chief. The chief makes a ruling. If you don't like the chief's ruling, you can take it to the Citizens Police Review Board. Mm-hmm. They make a recommendation back to the chief, and the chief can do with it what he, what he may. So it's basically an advisory board. What you've seen happen, according to most people watching, is... Um, uh, because it has no teeth and, and uh, is an advisory board capacity only, there's uh, people in town who would like to see it have some authority, right? And and there would like to have some oversight of the police and a lot more citizen hands on the police department. You know, you know the, the politics of where I'm coming from there. So this stuff you watched, and I was there and watched it too. You would think it's just like somebody's going crazy, but it could also be somebody that you can't remake that board 
unless you blow up what's there in the first place, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So we blow that up and force it back to council to redefine what we're going to have for citizen oversight. And you're right in the middle of watching that happen now. So what happened last week was the, the council sat down in a, in a session other than a council prior to a regular council meeting. They discussed this issue. They interviewed nine people for it. They appointed five. Uh, uh, they, I thought they were really good appointees. I sat through the interviews, and, and now council's taken up this discussion of not only the type of training we get this, these, these people for this board, but the type of direction and what type of model are we going to have. There's people pushing a model that gives them um, a real authority, uh, investigative authority, allows them to hire an investigator, mm-hmm. maybe gives them subpoena power. Of course, that'll be a big political fight. They can um, look into criminal files. I mean, incident files. I mean, they can they have access to a lot of information that really, for good reasons, should be protected. Probably. So we're going to see that uh, play out over the next year here here in Columbia. Yeah, interesting. Uh, Matt Pitzer announced this week that he will not seek another term as fifth ward council person. Uh, uh, in how does that affect the makeup of the council? Does uh, is that uh, is that big news in in your mind? No, I thought I wasn't surprised. I think he's uh, frustrated and pretty marginalized. He's probably the only real conservative member of that council. It's becoming more progressive. Uh, every election makes it more progressive. There's a very progressive block now, uh, you know, the Pat Fowler-led block, and they have uh, uh, four votes pretty much for sure on, on progressive Help me issues. understand who that. I can't okay. watch anymore. Tell me who's in that block. Okay, so Roy Lovelady just got elected. Okay. He would be considered pretty progressive in, yeah. his, in his thinking. Andrea Weiner from Ward 2, she's mm-hmm. considered pretty progressive in her thinking. And Nick Foster from the 4th Ward, mm-hmm. along with Pat from the 1st Ward. Those are four uh, uh, reasonably like-minded progressive thinkers. Mm-hmm. The other, then you have the mayor, who may be like-minded, but is generally regarded as more pragmatic and sensitive to a broader sense of influence. She knows there's work to be done. Yeah. And then you have uh, Pitzer who, from the Fifth Ward, who's the only real conservative. And then Betsy, mm-hmm. uh, Betsy Peters from the Sixth, sixth Ward, who kind of, you know, she's a little unpredictable, not particularly uh, uh, easy, easily to say where she's going to fall on mm-hmm. those issues. But with those four, I, I said that when they, uh, I, I wrote a lot and talked a lot about people really were charmed by uh, Roy Lovelady because he's a pretty wonderful human mm-hmm. uh, and he's an easy guy to like and, and I think he's going to be a good council person, but it's just another, it is another progressive uh, thinker added to uh, three that are already there and four votes is what makes that council roll. So. Yeah. It's um, it's a it ties into a theme that I've heard that some local candidates, especially the Republican candidates that are running for countywide office right now, saying that for some reason conservative voters, Republican voters, even moderate voters in Boone County have be- have become disenfranchised. And there's a great concern that on November eighth, that these folks simply aren't going to vote because they feel like it's a lost cause. You know, and I think, and that really frustrates. I and mean, the more doors that these folks have knocked on, they're they're hearing from known conservative voters that, yeah, I'm not going to vote. It's a waste of my time. Yeah, Connie Lepper, Lepper will tell you that for sure. She, yeah. she, and 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 as we mentioned earlier, a big challenge Republican uh, local Republican candidates have is to rally some support to to make it real that it can happen because yeah they are disenfranchised because they just don't win yeah and and i think that i found out in 2016 
that um, a red wave can really help local candidates. It really it does affect the lower part of the ballot, which is uh, I think that's something that people don't necessarily believe. But but I you know I know that most people listening to this radio station are conservatives, and um, I would hope that every single person listening to this show or listening to this radio station would say, yeah, heck yes, I'm going to vote. I'm going to vote early just in case I die before November eighth. You know what I mean? And have my vote counted. Um, I just I don't understand the mentality of simply deciding not to vote we have a chance to elect four republicans to county government uh all four of them could win you know what i mean really and especially if people got out and and voted uh and especially with those uh state rep races too Uh, yeah you don't have to give up that seat in uh in 47 you know it, it, it doesn't have to be yeah but uh uh you know especially now when you it's not like you have to make an effort on election day for you got two full weeks to show up whenever you want at the county building and cast your vote. It's it's really been made very easy to vote. Uh, it, it is disappointing, and, and I wish people in general would become more engaged and uh, uh, pay more attention to uh, what's going on. You know, I've had this theory as I've been exposing it since I started doing this a year ago that it's the, the, the we don't have a shortage of activists and advocates uh, for certain issues. And they are really driving the agenda everywhere you look. And the other 95% of the people out there uh, really are just kind of not paying attention. Yeah. Um, I want to move on to my favorite topic, uh, uh, the homeless shelter, proposed homeless shelter uh, on Business Loop 70. And and, uh, I I think there's a number of things that that might be holding that up. And um, I I sort of have come to the belief that really the the movement behind this thing is in some respects, um, and this will just throw some gasoline on the fire, but, you know, we have a lot of poverty pimps in our community who really like this fed- these federal dollars, these state dollars, these local government dollars, uh, that is manna from heaven, money grows on trees, and, and we're going to throw more good money after bad. But, um, I wrote a, a column for the, uh, for Inside Columbia Magazine and, and then shared it on social media and, and, um, I've been, you know, taking some lumps of, there was a pretty nasty letter to the editor of the Missourian written by a number of local groups, including Race Matters Friends. I'm not sure why they have a, uh, a pony in that race, but, um, and you know, secretly, I like that when people are beating up on me. It's a sort of, it makes me feel like I'm, I'm accomplishing something. Uh, but this homeless shelter thing continues to be a mystery to me. Uh, can you give our listeners an update on what's happening with it? Yeah. Um, so there's at least they would they had hoped to build the opportunity center to start this spring but their obstacles are starting to to pile up a little bit so they haven't acquired the land yet because there's some title issues with that that are probably overcomable um they still have to raise uh if i remember right somewhere around four and a half million dollars that isn't necessarily going to come just easily um they also have to convince uh the, the county and the city uh, they has to come to some agreement to how operations about a million and a half a year are going to be funded going forward. Um, they're also likely to face legal challenges uh, in the rezoning of the property that they would need to build build the uh, opportunities campus. So these types of problems are going to delay that. In the meantime, they purchased the VFW Hall, which is a 13,000 square foot building. It's, it's plenty big. It's got some nice outside amenities. And they're, it's going to serve as a temporary uh, homeless shelter mm-hmm. and really going to help serve some purpose to take care of a lot of issues that exist. Yeah. 
My prediction is that as this becomes standard operating procedure and people get comfortable at the uh, VFW, which now becomes the homeless center, mm-hmm. that uh, it'll make the opportunity campus, the push for it, uh, you know, uh, I think they're going to have, there's people who are predicting they're never going to get it done anyway. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and there's enough obstacles that it looks like that could be the case. Mm-hmm. Now, I suspect they'll continue to try, uh, I, but I definitely think it's getting pushed out a little bit. And that's that's what I would say is the current status of yeah. it. Yeah. Again, I think helping homeless people is a noble gesture. And I think we need to we need to do what we can to help people get back on their feet. Uh, but, boy, we are uh, – I think we're taking the wrong approach here, and, and I, I worry about that. Um, we ran out of time to talk about the firefighters, but, uh, yeah, it has – when – are we expecting the announcement of a fire chief anytime soon? Uh, I don't think anybody knows except city manager Carlon Seawood. Uh, I think the firefighters are hoping he goes back and opens up a new search. Uh, they've already been 11 months or something without a chief and mm-hmm. four or five chiefs in five or six years. So there's a lot of discontent there. Uh, I'm curious to see uh, uh, where this goes also. Yeah, very good. Mike Murphy, we appreciate uh, your time. Comobuzz.com. Check it out, folks. Uh, a great read and a great way to understand what's really happening in our local community. This is Fred Perry signing off. Uh, next week, uh, we'll have uh, Adonica Coleman joining us on the CEO Roundtable. You've been listening to the CEO Roundtable on 93.9 The Eagle. This city is my city And I love it Yeah, I love it